if you're visiting this morning, if you are here for the very first time, we don't want to embarrass you, but we'd like to see you. Are there any first time visitors? Would you lift a hand and say, first time? Oh yeah, welcome. Met you beforehand, welcome. Are you friends with her? Okay. No, I'm teasing her because she's just amazing. <laughs> you guys. Ah, oh, and where are you guys from? Many places. So where do you find yourselves now? Musenberg. Josh Henley. Hermanus. Ah, oh, welcome guys. So you've moved to the promised land. Musenberg. Ah, alright. Well, it's lovely to have you. Welcome. Anyone else? No? Okay. So, who, who of you knows where the Ten Commandments are? In the Bible, yeah. <laughs> Why well, I'm asking this because I've been doing a devotion, my devotions, and it's been the Ten Commandments, quite a... But I, I, I read on, and I read this verse. Listen to this. Wherever I cause my name to be honored, I will come to you and bless you. Woo. Wherever I cause my name to be honored, I will come to you and bless you. Now, how do we do that? How does God cause His name to be honored? I'll tell you what happens. When we exalt Jesus, when we declare who Jesus is, that's exaltation. When we, when we express our gratitude to Him for what He's done, and we, we exalt Him, and we tell Him there's no other God like Him, and thank you that you've saved me. We sing all these beautiful songs. It's the job of the Holy Spirit to do that. Because Jesus said, He will take from what is mine and make Him known to you. And He will exalt me. So when we exalt Jesus, you can be rest assured. The Holy Spirit will be amongst us. Now He is amongst us because He's in us. But we will begin to sense that beautiful presence. Because Jesus has been glorified. I love that scripture. You can take it. It's... It's out the Bible. Exodus 20, uh, 24. Write it down. Exodus 20, 24. Do you memorize scripture? It's good to remember scripture. So last week we broke into groups. And um, Ash was in the group I was in. And as I was praying and preparing for this morning, I thought, I felt God say, get him to testify. But don't phone him and warn him. Just tell him this morning, Ash, you're testifying. And he'll tell you why. Come here, my friend. Because God gave him a breakthrough last week. It's wonderful. Gee, you're going to preach too. I'll put my Bible away. Huh? You want him to go there? Better. All right. Hello? Yeah. Um, so last week... Uh, Esther um, kind of posed the question to the groups, it's like uh, a reliance on our own strength. And one of the 
questions was in, in what areas are we not kind of allowing God to work into um, and we we just want to try and do it in our own strength and um, yeah I just really felt like God was laying on my heart that uh, shyness was like a thing that I'm like holding on to and I don't allow him to work into it all um, and yeah it's like um, just the verses that were given and like the prayer that was given it was so amazing it was like just dead on what what was like what I was feeling and just shared in the group and yeah it's something that even Charles has been praying for as well it's like this that I just hold on to the shyness especially when it comes to community and um, yeah just my, my default is like I'm shy so like I'm not going to share or anything like that and yeah it was just amazing and just the verse that was shared um, was 2 Timothy 1 um, verse 6 and yeah, this is a, a, a scripture that I was actually reading like a week before and it's like something that like every time I open my Bible, like I open it to this. Um, and then last week, Saturday night, um, I, I opened my Bible and then I read this to Charlie. Um, and then on Sunday after sharing, then this verse was like shared with me again. So it was like just a confirmation. Um, and it reads, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of, of fear, but of power and love and self-control. Um, and yeah, this is such a, a good reminder of like, um, I don't need to rely on my own like strengths or weaknesses, but rely on God's strength and like how he works in my life. Um, and yeah, just that song, um, Jesus, my Savior, who's, who rescued me, and it's like, yeah, just to keep our focus on Him and allow Him to work into our lives um, continually, because it's like He can break through in areas like this. And yeah, I think that's. Can you imagine? You and you do. People struggle with shyness. I told them when I was a little guy, I was really shy. I mean, when my teacher shouted at me and said it fun, I cried. I'm serious. It looks strong. But if you tell a shy guy on Tuesday, look, Sunday, can you share? You know what Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday morning is going to be like? I mean, you're going to be a bag of nerves. So you just had nerves for an hour. Well done, Ash. Thank God, eh? Now you must, you must function in that. You must believe that. So God's going to give you, I'm going to prophesy to you, God's going to give you things now to say. And you've got to get up on your hind legs off your blessed assurance and you've got to speak it and stop being shy because God didn't give you that spirit. Gave you, didn't give you a spirit of timidity. That's, that's a nice word. Gave you a spirit of power and of boldness and the sound of mind. Amen. Amen. Wonderful. Eh? Is candy here? No. All right. Just checking. So um, I'm going to be, I'm going to be good. I'm not going to be like last week, you know. Estian said lastly, and he lasted. And we went on till after 11. And when Ross, you know, Ross went, how'd, how'd, go, how'd it go? I said, bro, we had revival. He said, what happened? I said, we only left them way after. No ways. It's supposed to be a short meeting. But it's wonderful when you break into groups and people share. And you get other things. And things happen like that. Candy too had a situation and somebody gave her a scripture and she started laughing. She said, this, last night I was with, on a, a John Piper website 
reading this verse to try and grasp what God is saying about, you know, being changed from one degree of glory into another. And then she comes on Sunday and we share and then that verse gets given to her. You don't just take that and thread it through your eyeballs. You, know. you take that and own it. That's yours. God gave it to you. You must act on it. You must believe it. So I want to preach. I'll go as far as I can go. So it's five past. I've got 25 minutes. But if the glory falls, then if you've got a chicken in the oven, it's going to be well done. Amen? All right. And if you're going to hike and go and swim, it might be late. So I, I, I read a scripture. I want to read out of Ephesians chapter 1. And um, I've mentioned these prayers that Paul prays for the Ephesian church before. And um, you write them out in your own hand. Um, you know, but this is, this is Paul. He says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking. I like that. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray also that the eyes of your heart might be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is like the working of his mighty strength, which he exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in the present age, but also in the age to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, for the church, for the church, which is his body. The fullness of him who fills everything in every way. What an incredible scripture. Eh? What an incredible scripture. So I want to just pick out four things that Paul writes. But he, he says in verse 17 that he may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit not a spirit, the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And I keep asking them, I keep saying, Lord, please, will you help these Ephesians? Will you help them? Will you give them the spirit of wisdom and revelation? Because we cannot understand the things of God with a natural mind. I will repeat that. We cannot understand the things of God with a natural mind. If we could, the whole world would be saved. But we know that there's a veil, there's, there's an inability in our naturalness to know God. So God has to come in Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, and open our understanding and take away the veil so that we can see with our spiritual eyes the wonder of who Jesus is. I can read the book, I can memorize the book, I can quote the book, but I might not know the author because the veil hasn't been taken away. So that's why Paul prays. I, pray. I keep asking that God will give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. In 1 Corinthians 2.14 it says, The man without the spirit or the woman without the spirit 
does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. How many times have you spoken to friends and you, you quote scripture that you know and understand and they get that blank look because they don't understand? Or you say something that's spiritual, that's Bible, and people are just, oh really? It's because they spiritually discerned. My brothers and sisters, you know how privileged we are. <laughs> you know how privileged we are. We read the book. And God speaks to us. The joy of the Lord's our strength. That's why we're happy. What's the difference between happiness and joy? Well, I can be happy now. But on the 31st of December, I wasn't a happy camper. Because I said goodbye to my third child, my daughter and her husband and my two grandkids who have emigrated. So I wasn't happy. I was unhappy. In fact, I was a miserable old git. Old Year's Eve and my son tried to help me and it didn't work. I was miserable, I was unhappy. It was not nice. I never thought they'd go. But the joy of the Lord is understanding who I've become in Christ. The joy that that brings up me. <laughs> I can be as miserable as whatever, but there's something in me. The understanding that God has given me and given you by the Spirit that stirs oh my word. This is, this is not the worst. I said to them, you know, it's quicker to fly to England than it is to go by car to Durban. So all I need to do is just hop on a plane overnight and I'm there. My grandkids said, yeah, 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 amen. I said, except it costs quite a lot more. <laughs> so you see, there's always... There's always something you can take out of something when God engineers something in your life. There's always something good. God works all things. God works all things together. You know that verse? Where's it found? You should be able to quote that. Romans 8.28. Not things don't work together. God works things together. Because God's large and in charge. It's not ETV that's large and in charge. It's God. God's larger than charge. He knows exactly what he's doing. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of wisdom and revelation. And here I go again. Whenever I preach, I just... Sorry. Secondly, we need to understand that this enlightenment, this thing comes to the heart of the believer. It, does, it doesn't come to the head. When I was at school, I was at a Methodist church school. And we used to walk from the boarding house in Gramstown. We used to walk to the Commemoration Methodist Church. Lovely name for a church. Right? Commemoration Methodist Church. Big church, big balconies. And the local Kingswood boys used to sit upstairs. It was also Methodist church school. And they all sat upstairs. And the Grand College boys sat there and the Victoria girls sat over there. And that was wonderful. We all love church. Because we somehow pass little notes and then we'd meet afterwards and you'd talk. And we'd organize fights with the Kingswood boys. And we had the main oaks and then after church we'd fight. We'd have a fight in the alley to see who was the best. But we'd been to church. And I had a Bible. My grandmother gave me a Bible. 
And I carried my Bible and then put the Bible down. You have a fight and you pick up the one, you go back to, to the hostel in rank and then they talk. Yes, you gave it to me. Because our eyes weren't opened to the realities. And I knew scripture. I knew Psalm 121. I knew Psalm 23. I could quote it. I even know where the shortest verse in the Bible was. Where's that? Eh? I know it's Jesus wept. Where is it? You see, I knew that. I, I've forgotten now. But I didn't know why he wept. John 11, 36, I think. I didn't know why he wept. But there it was. People say, what's the shortest verse? Well, I got it. Because I had an understanding of, I thought, that I needed this revelation to open my heart, to understand who this Jesus was. He enlightened me. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. The eyes of your heart. Not these. I'm falling apart. I went to the doctor. And uh, I'm going to get some new glasses because I've had these for now so long. So that it's time. So she made me look into this thing. And then she, she told me, you, you've got a bit of stress, eh? I said, you know, doctor, you check in my eyes. She said, I can see in your eyes. Because the Bible says, the eyes are the lamp of your body. Interesting, eh? So anyway, she put little stuff in my eye, you know. She said, oh, there's a lot of pressure. You need to do this and do that. Then I gammied my knee, so I've got to go and see a doctor about that. And then there's something wrong with my ear, and I said to God last night, look, I think just trade me in and make me a new model. I mean, this, it's really getting, I mean, a 1949 model, you know, it's not ticking over so nicely anymore. But God has opened the eyes of my heart. And it's not about this external thing, this tent I live in. This is fading away. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> it, but it is. Paul writes to the Corinthians and he says to them, we mustn't put our hope in what we can see. We must put our hope in what we can't see. Because it's the things unseen. And those things are only seen with the eyes of my heart. Because you see, the Christian, the Christian doesn't live by saying, well, I'll believe it if I see it. The Christian sees it, and then he believes it. Because God opens our hearts, our understanding, and we see this beauty who is Jesus, the Christ, the Anointed One. Suddenly I believe it. Because the veil gets taken away, I can see you heard people, you speak, I, I'll believe it if I see it. I had an interesting WhatsApp from a guy. He said, um, this is how he put it. He said, hello, Pastor Jeff. It's Georgie. I used to be George, but I'm grown up now. <laughs> and then he went on to say that he had, um, you know, he, he knows me and could we have coffee? Now, I thought it was my age, but it wasn't. I couldn't, for the life of me, work out who George was. I won't give you his surname. I'll speak to Tim afterwards. He'll know. Who is this guy? Anyway, I meet him. Now, I don't know what he looks like. I, I've got no idea. So I go and sit in a coffee shop and I'm saying, well, Lord, you're going to have to help me. And fortunately, he recognized me. And, you know, he said, you haven't changed in the last 20 years. I said, hallelujah, I know. 
I'm saying that humbly, you know. Don't people say that? You haven't changed. I think you lie, man. Of course I've changed. Anyway, he sits down and he begins to tell me the story. His mom is a Kosa lady and she gave birth to him 25 years ago. So when he was in the church I was ministering, he was three. But his mom married a German guy. You got a Tim. And they were in the church. And this guy was squint. George was squint. And so one day I uh, said, let, let me pray for this kid. So they said, yes, please, you must pray for him. And I prayed for him and God touched him. And he was required to wear a patch on his one eye and not look at screens of any sort for three weeks. Because things had happened. Some, God had done something. But unfortunately, they weren't obedient and the patch came off and he watched stuff. And so his eyes went. Anyway, he's, he's 25 now. Loves the Lord. And all he wanted to tell me was that I want to thank you for those days. He's three. So I said, but George, I mean, you, you don't remember. He said, no, but my mom and dad told me. And they, and th that's, that's having the eyes of your heart opened, enlightened. Anyway, I said, where do you stay now? He said, no, I'm in Westlake. I said, he's staying with his mom and his sister, sweetness. I said, we're going to your house. So we knocked on the door. And of course, there was great rejoicing. His stepdad has since died. But isn't that an amazing story? Out of the blue. And God, God helps us in those things. That's the joy of the Lord. I mean, I forgot George. It's George. But suddenly he reappears and he tells me of what God has done in his life. He sends me a clip he spoke last year on Father's Day at their church camp about the prodigal. It was good. The inability to see and understand spiritual things is not the fault of the intelligence, but of the heart. The inability to see and understand the things of God is not the fault of the intellect. If it was, well, I'd be in trouble. It's of the heart. The eyes of the heart must be opened. So Paul prays, that inner man, that's something. It comes out of, yeah, I used to tease my kids, I'd say, it comes out of your mangalisto. They said, Dad, what word is that? I said, I don't know, but it's a nice word. It comes from within. Your mangalisto. And if, I would, if I'd quote that to any of my kids, they just start laughing. It comes out of here. It comes out of here. That's why Paul prays for the spirit of wisdom. I've got 10 minutes. So he says, he prays the first thing in verse 17. He says, so that you may know him better. Do you know um, Nelson Mandela? Yeah, we know who he is. We don't know him. We know who he is. So we can't get to know him because he's dead. So we can get to know Jesus because he's still alive. So I met my late wife in Queenstown in 1968. Stop skinnering now. You go and sit over there. You know, James I've known since before he was born. 
And he's, he had this problem even in his mother's womb. Just. And when I, when I saw her with these eyes, I understood what, what Adam said when God brought him Eve. He said, wow, man. And that's where the name woman came from. I don't know if you know that. <laughs> it's 2022. It's 20 past 10. It's the 9th of January. Everybody's happy. And I make a joke and you sit there like lemons. Come on now, man. Let's get with it. That you may know him better. And I saw this girl. And I wanted to get to know her better. And I passed her in the morning going to work because I walked. She was with four friends and they'd walked to work and I started greeting them, morning ladies, and I'm making, trying to make an impression. Stopping, watching to see the car drop off, then I'd go off, morning girls. When I finally met her, I said to her, so, did you even notice me? She said, no. <laughs> the ego was seriously deflated. I thought, no, that made some impression. No. So I didn't know her. So when I met her, I began to get to know her. <laughs> and when I was single, you know, I didn't know you shouldn't wear shoes in the house. <laughs> and I got to know her. And when I, when I understood who Jesus was on the 24th of October, 1974, I met him. But I didn't know him. And all the years, I've, I've got to know him. Because he's opened my understanding to get to know him. And Paul prays this for the Ephesians, that you will know him. And if you know him, you'll understand him. Knowing God, of course, is the highest knowledge possible. You can have so many degrees, you look like a thermometer. I don't care. If you don't know God, you know nothing. But you can know him. You can know him because the eyes of your heart get opened. Atheists claim there's no God. There's no God to know. I was talking to a guy who said he was an atheist. I said, Bru, you've got more faith than me. He said, what do you mean? I said, if you can believe that there's no God, you've got more faith than me. He was puzzled by that. Agnostics, well, they say that, you know, there is a God, but we can't know him. My mom was lying very ill. She had cancer as well. And I was nursing her. And um, I went to the doctor. We, we, we weren't sure whether we should put her in the hospice, put her in a years ago. So I went to the doctor and I said, well, we've been praying and God spoke to me. And this is what the doctor said. What? God spoke to you? I said, yeah. He said, you've got to be kidding. I said, no, it wasn't with a voice, but God spoke to me. He, he was shocked. He's M-B-A-C-B-H-D-H, what? Stellenbosch, Cambridge. But he didn't know God. I'm Jeff Kidwell, B-A-D-D-H-G, and I know God. And I said to that highly qualified man, God spoke to me, and he was shocked. Because you don't know God by your intellect. You know God from the heart. You know what B-A-D-D-H-G stands for? I'll tell you later. The believer must grow in his knowledge of God. I'm going to finish with these points that we may know him better. To know God personally is salvation. It is salvation. 
I am saved. It is also justification. It's beautiful. God looks on you that you are fully justified. Let me explain justification. I'll use James because he's been unkind to me this morning. James commits a heinous crime, whatever it is, which he would never do if you speak to his wife. He's not that kind of guy. I am the judge in the court case, but I've aged and I'm wearing that funny wig and all the robes and things. And James is in the dock. And the sentence is passed on him for the heinous crime he committed. It's a hundred thousand rand fine or 12 years in jail. And he says, I don't have the money. I just don't have the money. So, and I don't, I don't want to go to jail. So I stand up and I take my wig off. And he recognizes me and he thinks, oh my word, that's... And I go to him and I say, James, listen, I've known you for a long time. I'll pay the fine for you. And you can go free. You don't need to pay me back. I'll pay the fine for you. He said, but I'll pay the fine. You can go free. See, we stood in the courts of heaven, so to speak, guilty of sin. And Jesus stood up and he said, I'll pay. I'll pay. Which means I have been justified. I'm guilty. I'm guilty. But someone else takes the punishment for my guilt. That means I've been justified. This, we say it's it justified means it's just as if I'd never sinned. No, 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 I did sin. Doesn't mean that. Justified means someone else paid the penalty for my crime. And I went free. And he took it on himself. He didn't take my guilt. He just paid the penalty. But graciously, he removes my guilt. Because he's God. That's justified. Therefore, having been justified by faith. Having been, Romans 5, when it's not, sorry Nick, I'm all over the place. It's a past tense thing. Having been justified, I have peace with God. So it doesn't matter what happens. I have a peace. What's the peace of God? Peace doesn't mean the absence of strife or challenge or difficulty. Peace means in spite of all that's going on, I know God is for me. And if God is for me, you can be against me. I've got lots of things against me. Just be a pastor, you'll find out there's lots of things against you. But God is for me. Come on, say amen. Say it again. Yeah, you must wake up and get through the program. Salvation, John 17, 3. Now this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom you've sent. I'm saved. Hallelujah. I'm free. My chains fell off. What, my dungeon flamed with light. You know those old hymns. My heart was free. I rose, went forth, and followed the Hallelujah. Have you got issues? Do you kid? Of course I've got issues. Do you struggle with things? Of course I struggle with things. Really? Yeah. Jesus did too, but he never sinned. That's why he could pay. That's salvation. That's justification. To know God in increasing measure is sanctification. 
You know, you heard people say, geez, I nearly lost my sanctification. The guy really got up my snout. He really upset me. I've been justified. I am being sanctified. I am being saved. I'm saved, but I'm being saved. That's what Paul prays. Prays that the eyes of our hearts might be like we may know the spirit of wisdom and revelation. We might understand these things. You're not the complete article. I mean, I look out from here and I say, definitely not. Because we judge it by what we see. I don't know what's going in your heart though. But God knows. He is sanctifying us as we give ourselves to Him, as we pray, as we read the Word, as we study, as we commit ourselves to doing the things God wants us to do. We become part of the family, we become part of the fellowship. We grow in the grace of God. We get to know. We are being sanctified. Philippians 3.10, Paul says, I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Well, I don't really want that. Becoming like him, even in his death. I am being sanctified. I've been changed. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, I think it is. We are being changed from one degree of glory to another. How do we do that? By gazing on this Jesus. How do I gaze on Jesus? Eh? How do I look on Jesus? I can't see Jesus. How do I look on him? The Bible says we gaze on Jesus. What does it mean? Have you ever thought, what does it mean? I read the scripture. I read the book. And I read what it says about him. And I allow that to get into my inner being. That's gazing on this magnificence. The Bible says he lives in unapproachable light. But I can approach him. Makes no sense. You can't approach him. It's unapproachable. But I can approach him. Because why? He's made a new way for me. Do you understand? That's gazing on him. That's the magnificence of the God. We're being sanctified. He is changing us from the inside out. And then to know God perfectly, well, that's when you put me down. And I begin to push up daisies. And I go to be with him. I'm glorified. I get justified. I'm being sanctified. And one day I go to be with him. And the Bible says, when I see him, I'll be like him. Because in an instant I'll be changed. Woo! No more gammy knees, no more eye problems, no more nothing. Just totally, totally healed of everything. Perfect in all my ways. You too. You too. You guys look dumbstruck. This is, this is good news. This is how we live. We don't live by, you know, well, maybe I hope so. You know, I hope God is good. No, God is good. You know what hope in the Bible means? The positive expectation of God fulfilling His promise to us. It's not like, just, I hope it doesn't rain, eh? We want to go hiking. That's not the hope we talk about. The hope is positive expectation that God's going to fulfill it. And if He said it, believe me, He'll do it. Sometimes it takes a long time. The writer to the Hebrews says, by faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. And some people have so much faith, that they have no patience. Oh, glory, brother, I'll get it in the name of Jesus. I'll make sure. Some have so much patience, they have no faith. 
They just sit and wait on their blessed assurances until the day they die and they never get anything because they don't have faith. By faith and patience, we inherit the promises of God. And when we get glorified, we become perfection. This is what it says in 1 Corinthians 13. Who knows that chapter? We all know the chapter. The love chapter. I just want to read this. I know it's up there. I don't want to turn around. I want to turn my back on you. It says this love never fails. It says, for we know in part, we know in part, and we prophesy in part. So Nicola, Nicola prophesies in part. We, we get a picture and we've got to build on it. We know in part. We don't know it all. We prophesy in part. We, we prophesy what we know. That's what Paul's writing to the Corinthians. We prophesy in part. But when perfection comes, whoo, the imperfect disappears. One day I'm going to be perfect. I used to be conceited. Now I'm perfect. One day I'll be perfect. So will you. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see but a poor reflection in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know fully, even as I'm fully known. That's what I'm looking forward to. I'm not, I'm not wanting to do what I have to do on the planet. But my home's in heaven. Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll, I'll bring you to where I am. That's a bit of, you know, I can get happy about that. Hello? You're allowed to be happy? I'm being justified. I've been. It's therefore having been. I'm being sanctified. And one day I'll be glorified. Amen? I'll stop there. Pray that God gives us a spirit of wisdom, the spirit of wisdom and revelation, that you may know Him better. Let's just pray. Father, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that You've saved us. Thank You that You're sanctifying us. Thank You, Jesus, You have been glorified. Thank You that we understand, we, we see now, Lord, in part. We, we see through a glass darkly. We see some of it. But Lord, that day, we thank you when we see you face to face. Your word says, in an instant, you'll be changed. And Lord, we pray that you'll help us to be obedient as your words to us this morning have encouraged us to listen. To listen, to be obedient. As you speak to us and you do speak, Lord, I pray, open our spiritual ears as well as our spiritual eyes to be obedient and to be able to see the glories that are revealed in your book. As we go from here, I pray your grace over us. Help us, Lord, as a people to own these words and to believe them and to put them into practice and see your kingdom come for your glory, we pray. And everybody agreed and said, Amen. God bless you. Have a fantastic day. Amen.